a drunk thought the other day about pointer fingers pointer fingers yeah do you think that like they a think finger that you point with do you think that they think they're better than people the finger yeah do you think the pointer finger realizes that like it's the like everyone says the i feel like thought. the starting point here is do you think fingers have consciousness and my <laughs> answer is no and then the next part would be nothing because the conversation would stop all right well just bear with me we're pitching okay. a pixar right. film so, about so assuming fingers. fingers have consciousness yes this is reminding me of that joke from the simpsons where otto is like you know they call it fingers but uh never see him fing Oh, there they go. <laughs> okay, well, that's not even a good joke. It's just good because it's auto. <laughs> like, that's a right. profound thought for the stoner uh, bus driver. No, it's, um, I, I, well, I, just, I just mean, like, everyone goes to the opposable thumb. We, we, we think about that evolutionarily, right? Like, yeah, that, like, in the, dico- in, the, in the hierarchy of fingers, the thumb is king. Like, he's ruling over all the other fingers, right? Right. Well, I mean, my thing is this, like, you know, that's his thing. Like we, we, that's how we became, uh, from just primates fucking around in, in, in the wild to like, Oh, we can do surgery and we can create, you know, I don't know, like fucking spaceships you went know, straight man. from like rock tools to surgery. <laughs> well, they were primitive. They were using bone instruments and shit like that. <laughs> it wasn't all good, but you know, they made do. Yeah. Uh, think about all the monkeys that had to die for our progress, man. Like we can't get holier than now. And I think the fingers are really the culprits of every misstep in human evolution. More specifically, the pointer <laughs> finger. The culprits. No, the pointer finger thinks it's the shit. You think it's, it's like, too antagonistic? Well, for one, try to point with your pinky. Doesn't look good. It's weird looking, all right? Try to point with your middle finger. Doesn't work. It's That's weird. insulting. It is. Wait, is it? Yeah. In what culture? Because it's just like, fuck you, but you're being more direct about it. Whoa, I didn't know that, bro. I don't want to be culturally insensitive. That's like a thing. I, mean, I should that's probably... the culture that you've always been a part of, so I don't know why it's a mystery. Like Since when has the middle finger I've... been more offensive than the middle, or the, the ring finger been more offensive than the middle finger? I thought you just said middle finger. Maybe I did. Maybe I <laughs> fucked up. Maybe my middle is my ring. Maybe I got <laughs> seven fingers. <laughs> And the and the ring finger is the mouth. Oh, of okay, yeah, yeah. Ring finger. That's just it is weird to point that. I'm like even trying to do it, and I don't have like the strength, <laughs> right? Because it is a core situation. Like yeah. your hand has a body, right? And <laughs> it's all about the core. I can't point with my middle finger or my 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 ring finger rather. Right. Uh, and so I, this circles me back to the the point fingers are pretentious fucking assholes, man. That's all hmm. I'm saying. Damn. Well, like it, it, you like the thumb is the thumb like humble enough for you. 
the thumb is unassuming. He's a loner. He keeps to himself. He keeps calm and carries on. The thumb is the British citizen of the hand. And the index finger is what the loud, brash uh, American exceptionalist. Not only American, but like uh, like an American at the Daytona 500. You know what I mean? Like just <laughs> really emboldened. <laughs> I love my country. I love cars. I love asphalt. That's what it is, man. I love cheap beer. And they and like a poor little girl gets hit in the head by a fucking tire that flew off a car. It's like press freedom, bro. Press a fucking freedom. And we well, all he's calling a little girl, bro. Immediately reacting to the death of a child. Price of freedom, bro. Not even checking to see if she's okay. Right. No, bro, listen. (laughs) Just continue sipping his finger beer. No, because we shouldn't even joke about that. Uh, This is actually a big deal (laughs) in in baseball right now. Is it? Children getting hit by baseballs? I'm not even kidding. This is literally, it's a really big deal. It's been happening for the last couple of years. So there's been a couple instances where like, they they only have nets on the, uh, up to the dugout in a lot of Mm. baseball stadiums. So anytime the people like, and, and the other thing is just like, the growth of, of the athlete where back in the day, everyone was just a dough boy like me, man. I didn't have any muscle mass. So whatever, I'm going right. to hit the ball. Like what? 40 feet best. But now, but these now, fuckers, now they're like on roids and stuff and just fucking having a so great time. When they foul off the ball, it's now going fucking 120 miles per hour. And, and like, seriously, in the last one, an old lady got hit. Dodger stadium died. A uh, couple kids got their skulls fractured and like it's a thing it's a pervasive fucking problem right now and it's kind of disheartening i know you're not a sports guy but i just mean like, <laughs> like well, what would the, happen if they just put up nets everywhere that's what they're doing all right so this is what happened one fucking visionary the owner of the white Sox. this happened at uh comerica stadium and then they were like um fuck this and within a week got the entire stadium netted right the problem is and it's not that big of a problem right but like back in the day all the stadiums had basically the same dimensions like mm. from 1910 to like 1960 I, all these things were designed basically the same so you could have those uh those nets or like yeah you could have universal plans for an arena yeah it's it's a regulation right you gotta right. build it to regulations but now everyone's doing their own thing and like, there were exceptions back in the day too don't get me wrong wrigley field was built in 1905 i think and fenway's been around for 105 years and that has a giant Fenway wall. Park. yeah a giant i just watched the departed by I'm the way i'm actually so film. proud that you knew where fenway park was <laughs> i don't think i've ever been more like proud of you as a papa it's not because sports. i know about sports it's because i could hear someone with a boston accent saying fenway park Right. And then I was like, oh, Boston, the departed Matt Damon. Is that your Slumdog Millionaire like connection or whatever? Like, like yeah. did, you- <laughs> did you hear about this movie that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are doing? Because it sounds fucking nuts. It sounds crazy, no. man. Is okay. it about Boston? No, it's about France, apparently. Really? Uh, I'm proud of them. <laughs> well, they're going to bring it. It's going to be like like the one little borough of, uh, of, of France or Paris that has, like, you know, little Boston. Just a bunch mm. of people rocking fucking uh, Red Sox hats and Bruins caps and shit like that. But, but no, it's it's a it's a story. And get this logline directed by Ridley Scott, written by I, f- I can never say her last name Nicole Hoffins. Uh, uh, you know Nicole Hoffins? No, no Hoffin, I don't. Hoffins censor. She's like uh, Hoffins she, censor. She's fucking uh, Don Draper's ex girlfriend. You know what I'm talking about? She wrote Friends with Kids and shit. That's not. Uh, yeah, I know you're talking about. Um. Uh, but it's not Nicole Hoffman censor. I'm. I didn't say the last name was right. Nicole is accurate. 
<laughs> she, she wrote a uh, kissing Jessica Stein also, right? Right. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So my point is this, that it's a movie written by her directed by Ridley Scott and also co-written by Jennifer Westphill. No. Is that who I'm thinking of? Mm-hmm. Well, then I fucked up. Nicole. It's definitely Nicole. So type in the last duel onto your little search engine here. And it'll tell you it, the point is Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are co-writing this script with her for Ridley Scott. Now the log line, while you're looking this up, Max, the log line is two best friends are best friends as best friends are. Sorry for the mm-hmm. redundancy. Uh, one goes to war during the Iraq war. The other one stays behind and rapes his friend's wife while he's away. So when homie comes back, no one believes his wife. And he writes to the president of France to have a sanctioned duel. And these fuckers duel, Max. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see Affleck and Damon fucking duel, but more importantly, we're gonna see rapist Damon. And I'm ready for rapist Damon, bro. I mean I, again, I just saw the departed and he was like a fucking piece of shit in that movie. It was kind of great to see him play a villain because like He's kind of a dick. He gives off like asshole vibes, you know? Right. Even when he's the good guy, I end up sympathizing with like Clive Owen in Bored Identity. Right. I'm just like, no. I was rooting guy- for Stellan Skarsgård in Goodwill Hunting, not him. Kidding me? <laughs> well, Stellan wasn't like the villain. <laughs> I was rooting for like the Johnny Winters, you know, the blonde guy at the bar. Like, uh, Oh, that guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a number. How about them apples? Yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for that fucking guy. And, and I shed like a single tear, <laughs> like the Native American man in that commercial. Iron Eyes Cody, his name. And not not a Native American, sir, in case you were wondering. He's like Jesus. Italian or something. <laughs> like, his, <laughs> Oh, yeah, we've talked about this. His sister blew the whistle on that shit after he died. But but I'm, so, I'm sorry. Like, I could not get over the headline of like Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, the reunion. Okay. We've all been clamoring for, for uh, GWH to, you know, like we've been waiting and that's what I call it affectionately. And um, we never got it, but instead we're getting this weird Ridley Scott directed film where they're going to play, I guess, French people. And on top of that, rapist French people. And I got to say it again, like the prospect of seeing a rapist Damon, because all jokes aside, him in The Departed is probably his best performance to me. I know he did that one role very early on, like in the late 90s. I'm forgetting what it is. But didn't he do the Rainmaker, the Grisham thing, which was interesting? It was like him and DeVito. And he also did another thing where he lost a bunch of weight. He lost like 40 pounds for the role. I forget what it was. We're talking Damon still, right? Yeah, Damon. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, Mar- the Martian he lost some weight for no, that one Martian. scene. F- fuck that movie. No, I'm not talking <laughs> about that piece of shit. I'm talking of fuck, you're right. That's Ridley and Matt. It's not going to be yeah. good. You just took all the wind out of my sails, man. Thank you for being on board with the Martian sucking, by the way, because I thought it was the only person in the world that like thought it sucked. Everybody was like, oh, the Martian, it's great. It's a return to form for Ridley Scott and Matt no, Damon. It's not that it sucks. It's that it's there's nothing I mean. original about that movie. There's nothing moving about that movie. I mean, the and, entire and for, movie, he's not even struggling, really. Right, like, right, which is, you could say, is a script problem, but we love Drew Goddard, right? Or Goddard, whatever his yeah, name is. Yeah, but so like, he's in this harrowing cool. situation, and the entire time he's just like, well, one liner. I, I put some shit in some potatoes, and that's it. We're just going to have to see what happens. <laughs> right. And then he eats one-liner. those potatoes. Yeah, no, he I, the, potatoes. The problem is, like, say what you want. Even in Ridley's failures, he's an interesting. I mean, Prometheus has to be the biggest example of this. Like, even yeah. in his failures, dude is a fucking amazing filmmaker. Like, I, I will put that shit on. Like, if I need to trip again, we were talking about this off mic, but, like, if I ever trip again, which I probably won't, I will curate that with the visuals of Ridley Scott because like, I think Prometheus is a gorgeous fucking film to look at. Yeah. Um, I, I've told you before that, you know, I used to just um, 
turn the saturation all the way down so it was black and white, crank up the contrast and mute it, and uh, put on some music or whatever, have it like be a background thing, and it's gorgeous. You don't mind that the fucking plot and script is insulting and dumb. Um, yeah, it's well, that's really, what I'm saying, really but the Martian, I was insulted because I didn't feel like there was any great directing in that movie. <laughs> like, yeah, it wasn't again, great. I don't want to be that guy. Like, I have to realize, like, I mean, he's Ridley fucking Scott, okay? Like, yeah. even in, like, I've just said, even in his bad films, he's interesting. But even if he never made another film ever again, dude has rightfully earned his place, I think, in the annals of fucking film history. Like, he's a wonderful filmmaker. The I mean, if, is even not a if, good he'd, if he'd stopped at Alien and Blade Runner, like... Yeah. Done, legacy insured. But then yeah, he went but off also, and did other movies, you know? He like, did other movies. But I mean, like, even Thelma and Louise, I fucking kind of love that movie. Wonderful Lucky. film. It's yeah. a great film. Um, Gladiator has its moments. What do you think of, like, when filmmakers do those weird one-offs? I mean, Gladiator is, like, it's a period piece, but it's it's a spectacle film, which we had seen with Aliens, which we had seen with Blade Runner. Uh, but, but, but Thelma and Louise, which is a wonderful film, to, to speak to your point, and if yeah. people haven't watched it recently, or if you bought into the media portrayal of it, which is a parody right like mm-hmm. people going over a cliff <laughs> right. it's a fucking harrowing movie man it's kind of better than it has any right to be and i was one of those people yeah. ignorantly he was like oh this isn't good watched it finally when i was like 22 and was like holy shit this movie's yeah. amazing man um and that's my it, point it's like, a really I, great modern western in a weird right. way um yeah and it's well, also you even get like, the final standoff man you get everything yeah. you want from a western film which is um incredible. and it's got like it's about female friendship at a time where movies weren't really doing that um right. and Everyone's it's it's done in not a pandering over, way yeah it's like freaking out about big little lies right but this was it kind of was big little lies like 30 years ago you know literally yeah like if you if you haven't seen Thelma and louise uh susan sarandon stops gina davis from getting raped while they're on vacation and they have to go on the run um and they murder a man and that's that's Which, the by the way, rightfully so. Let's just yeah. throw that out there. But does that stop them from then being fucking criminals who, nope. who, who like spoiler alert, would rather fucking die free than yeah. be incarcerated? Which is like the most badass fucking Western trope there is. By the way, I just want to throw that out there. It's, so it's wonderful. But but to to slightly deviate from that, we can circle it back to Ridley. But I'm fascinated by people who do one-offs like that. And I was going to ask if we could rack your brain for other people. The one that immediately comes to mind, and it's not a particularly great movie, even though it was nominated for Oscars. Remember when Wes Craven did that music movie out of nowhere? Like, he was doing horror films, and then he did, like, I think it's called The uh, Music of the Heart or something. It had Gloria Stefan in it. I do not remember that, no. no I've never seen that. For an Oscar, and you're like, oh, I guess this is his pivot at age yeah. 60. <laughs> Wes is like, fuck it. And he decided to do some weird movies, man. I don't know. And I'm just, I'm really trying to think of other directors in that vein who were known for spectacle but ended up doing smaller films. Maybe like Schindler's List was that moment for Spielberg. You know what I mean? Who, who that, that was definitely off. like his, his Oscar grab. I'm really into directors that do like just minor movies. I'm like obsessed with like the minor works in a director's like film. Like uh, Coppola doing Rumblefish. Well, or, dude, uh, Rumblefish is low. Like for all the flash of the Godfather in Apocalypse Now, Rumblefish <laughs> is maybe yeah. his best fucking movie, bro. It's, it's, it's just, it's so oh. pretty and like captured. It's like, it's, it's poetic in a weird way. It's like a, I hate to use this word. It's like a tone poem. Also, something. much better than The Outsiders, which I yeah, never Outsiders understood. Yeah, Outsiders is hot garbage. If you haven't rewatched it. The Outsiders, rewatch it. I know P- Pony Boy's in it. Stay gold, Pony Boy. It sucks. Well, that gave us that, if nothing else. Yeah. I guess Essie Hinton gave us that. It's had nothing to do with Coppola. What, he copied the fucking page? You're yeah, give him pretty, credit. Pretty what does Rumblefish got? Tom Waits? That's mm-hmm. all you need. 
stark contrast black and white i mean it's 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 just coppola who was like yeah i've won three oscars let me do something weird like let yeah. me earn this you know he, what also I mean? did, he did a lot of weird shit in the 80s he did peggy sue got married which was another one-off which was actually yeah. kind of great no uh, it's Tucker, a wonderful a man in his dream which was yeah. kind of great yeah and and then he he went crazy and did jack and it was all downhill from there well, why don't we do this why don't we why don't we make a list internally right now of like who we deem like uh, we don't have to do five or ten or whatever, but let's let's pick a couple people and think about what their minor film is. Mm. I'm gonna take Tarantino off this list because even though he's like a trendsetter or whatever, I he's so hyper realized that I can't ever put them in. Like I, when you watch a Tarantino movie, there's nothing about real life happening in any of them. You know what I mean? Right. Like they are I mean, they're almost comic books, except maybe like, Jackie Brown. <laughs> like Jackie like, Brown Town. <laughs> Did you ever retort though? Do you want to you want to make a case for Tarantino, like one of his lesser works? No, no. Okay, well, I thought you did. You're like, well, and I was like, all right, I'll <laughs> open the debate floor, sir. The gentleman. Like from honestly, New York if has if if Tarantino was excised from every conversation about film going forward, I'd be totally fine with that. Right. He's been having talked about that, so much. Having said that, I kind of cannot tell you, and I want to get back to our initial premise, but just about Tarantino, I'm actually really on hype about uh, the new movie, man. Uh, yeah. I've heard nothing but good things about it, but more than that, it seems like a personal story that has nothing to do with revenge, which that motherfucker for the last 17 years has been obsessed with that trope. Like we got to yeah. get past it, man. Um, so I'm excited about it. It seems like a personal thing and I'm watching that tomorrow, I think. So we will talk oh. about this on the next episode. Try to watch it if you can. I would love to talk to you about it on the next episode of Where's My Burrito. Um, but, but let's go back to the initial premise. So Let's name a couple directors who we think are the fucking guys, right? I mean, Coen Brothers' obvious choice for me would be like Man Who Wasn't There, um, which is a great film oh, and a very yeah. overlooked film. I was um, about to fight with you. I'm like, no, they're kind of in the Tarantino sphere, obviously much better. But when I watch their movies, it's very hard for me to escape that I'm watching something that is immaculately mm. crafted as opposed to me being a fly on the wall. But then, yeah, Man Who Wasn't There is fucking wonderful, man. Yeah. That's that movie's fucking fire. It's got aliens in it. Everybody forgets that. Um, <laughs> I, fuck, I forgot it. <laughs> We're talking about it right now. And I'm like, oh shit, there are third act aliens in that fucking movie, man. Fucking are, man. Um, fucking Scorsese. I was just, I've been doing like a little Scorsese kick, and I just rewatched Bringing um, Out the Dead. Bringing Out the Dead. Yeah, that's the one. Um, and Cape Fear is not his best, but holy shit, last Pretty thirty minutes great. of that movie are. Yeah fucking terrifying everything on the boat is pretty fucking top-notch scorsese man like i love that movie um Uh, yeah go ahead david lynch uh um straight Straight story Story. yep yeah straight story i haven't watched in a long time but that movie makes me cry like a fucking baby yeah that's sissy right sissy's basic is in that one yeah she plays like his mentally handicapped daughter um but just it ends with that scene on the porch where he's with his brother and they don't say a word to each other and they just watch the stars and it just like pulls into the stars credits roll yeah that guy uh, you ever do you ever wish you got something a little more conventional from lynch because you're like clearly you have it in you you just like like, to be this david lynch does a romantic comedy or something seriously man this is the scene it's the meet cute It's a 45 minute (laughs) (laughs) who gives a fucking shit how long a meet cute is (laughs) harrowing journey into the soul it's just a really, and I mean really fucking slow zoom into the eyes because those are the windows. Right. The it's like you know. just two people walking dogs and the dogs run around the owner's legs, but for 45 minutes. <laughs> well, that's what I'm, I mean. Like he needs Some a challenge. Some fat guy like is doing like a hula hoop in the background. 
something. Well, it would it wouldn't it wouldn't lose the Lynch surrealism at all. Right. It would just be the stakes would be much lower. There's like a flashing strobe light. <laughs> oh, so oh, what's your man. name? You want to get some coffee sometime? Right. Long uh, pause. <laughs> <laughs> what's that like remember when you bought the eraser head dvd or whatever it's just the sh- it's just the shot of with the, the dead cat or whatever you know what i'm talking yeah. about where mm-hmm. he's just like trying to like fucking uh, get get his shoe it would just be that for 45 <laughs> minutes man it'd be fucking incredible all right so lynch lynch yeah but again lynch is so lynch like when you say lynch you Im- you immediately know what we're talking about we already know like pop culture osmosis right um you know, the Simpsons, like they, they kind of nailed Lynch with that, <laughs> with that two scenes. One where yeah. Lisa is trying to figure out who shot Mr. Burns, right? This suit burns, burns better. Suit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but also when Homer watches Twin Peaks and it's just like Cooper dancing with a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they kind of nailed it. Like, you know what I mean? Like that is Lynch's sensibilities. I have no I, idea what's going on. Yeah. It's like, uh, you can't say that about Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson is so singular. You can't say that about PTA. PTA is so fucking singular as well. I'm trying to think, does does he have any movie? Like, even Magnolia, which is... I mean, like, Heart 8, his debut feature, but I don't know right. if that counts because it's that's a debut. That's true. I haven't seen that in fucking forever, though. I think that's different. That was him getting his, you know, foot his, in the door. His bearings, but it's still kind of great. Um, yeah, I should watch some it. great performances out of those people. Yeah. Well, see, I guess that's my point. It's like the more we realize, the more that we're naming these directors, what we're coming to realize is their singularity, right? Their vision is precisely what makes them those filmmakers to begin with, right? Mm. It's not to say you can't have a one-off, but there's certainly nothing as jarring as a Thelma and Louise or a Wes Craven, a Wes Craven movie where he's talking well, I, about I, I, would, I would make the case for Straight Story just being like a simple like PG or G-rated film that's like heartfelt. It has right. some Lynchian tropes, but it's still like very like kind uh compared to his his other films soderbergh like every movie he does is a one-off um which is amazing amazing. uh i think i've said this before but when a hundred years from now when we reevaluate film history that fucker will feature so much more prominently like what a wonder you want to talk about like we were talking about the flaming lips every time they do an album like it's this different thing like that guy every time he does a movie like this is a guy who's done out of sight the nick side effects yeah uh no, like but just, you, you, you kind of nailed going. it with the out of sight of it all, which is like, I'm a big Elmore Leonard fan. I really, it's my father, the one thing my father gave me, my real father mm-hmm. was like a love of Elmore Leonard pulp, like novels, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, he nailed it. Oh my God. Also, to be honest, that's kind of my Clooney. It wasn't yeah. Batman. It wasn't ER. The first like time I was like, oh shit, I kind of like Clooney was 98 watching yeah. out of sight for the first time man um but you're right the fact that he did that and then he can do something as as like ridiculously attention to detail oriented as the nick to then do uh what's logan lucky was that the last one he did lucky yeah, Lo- logan, yeah lucky. Lo- logan lucky side effects contagion like all mm-hmm. these movies i'm not saying they're gonna light the world on fire and they're not the best films ever but like when you watch them as like a cumulative right. whole it's like oh shit this guy has got chaps He's got chaps. He He's wears chaps. assless chaps on every film. <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's a Sam Raimi's known for wearing the suit. Soderbergh wears assless chaps every time he films. I've always Very been curious about that because like Fellini used to come to set always in the nicest suit you've ever seen. There's not mm-hmm. a picture of Federico Fellini on set where that motherfucker isn't dapper as fuck. Okay. But then I see pictures of like Sergio Leone and he's wearing like a tank top in the desert which makes sense you know what i mean yeah like, i would love to see felini be that committed to a three-piece suit where he's in is in the deserts of madrid you know what i mean just but, fucking sweating like crazy he's ruining Miserable. the suit <laughs> he dies of dehydration scene two 
Oh man, that's amazing. Um, I, uh, I watched, and I'm not going to go into a whole Shakespeare thing, but I was going to go into a, a, like adaptation thing, which is interesting to me. I watched uh, Amazon. You know, Amazon did a King Lear adaptation with uh, Anthony Hopkins recently. And like, what? Yeah. Tony no. Hopkins. Yeah. And, I could watch him read the phone book. Who's that really wonderful actress who was in Chernobyl? She was in Red Dragon. She's British. It's like Emily. Is it? It's not Emma. Is it Emily Watson? Not Emma Watson, but Emily Watson. You know what I'm talking about? Matindas? Uh, yes, but I always get her confused with the lady from Minority Report. Who's that lady? Uh, Samantha Morton. Yeah, Emily Watson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Emma Watson Watson. and uh, Emma Thompson. Uh, They played uh, Goneril and not Cordelia. Fuck, who's the second sister? It doesn't matter. But I watched them, and and it's a modern retelling, which is always interesting when you do the uh, let's update Shakespeare to be this time. Because all (laughs) I think about is when Ethan Hawke did Hamlet, and they have the entire to be or not to be, but it's like him at a blockbuster. That didn't age very well, guys. Like, so, so I always get shitty about that. I never I'm saw not- that. He was in a fucking blockbuster video saying to be or not to be. But the cool visual flair of it is that all the VHSs are exactly the same, which is interesting. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you can do things about that. I think, like, we saw Joss Whedon do all uh, much ado about nothing and, like, Kind that's a delightful awesome. film yeah like fucking wonderful movie and it like yeah. that's when i that's where my shakespeare love really like happened because of course i read the tragedies and stuff and i read romeo and julia i read all that when i was in high school and i was like sure they're good stories but they've also been passed down for 500 years like they're good because they're traditions they're not traditions because they're good that was my mindset right mm. but then i watched uh, much ado about nothing and i just like they didn't change a word of this script like this guy was just a fire writer he, he was yeah. the dan Harmon and aaron sorkin combined uh, right. like rom-coms back in the day uh and 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 you realize like oh shit he yeah. had that I, I would love for those two to collab on a script together by the way It'd be a, a fucking lot of mess a lot yeah. of coke a lot of pop culture references a lot of coke and vodka right um you yeah, saw Harmon, right i did see Harmon. yeah when how, i was in how, la how was that it we was, haven't really talked about it I, we didn't talk about this on the LA show at all. I'm trying to remember. I, maybe we mentioned it, but we didn't really talk We'd about it at into- any length. Like, how, how, was it great? It was really wonderful. So for people who don't know, Dan Harmon uh, is, the, is the creator of Community, and he also co-created Rick and Morty, which is everyone's favorite cartoon. Uh, <laughs> it's good. It's good. I've actually been re-watching I'm, all of it. Yeah, right no, now. it's great, but like, I'm ashamed to be a fan of it I at this point. Totally Just agree. by association. <laughs> because these other Rick and Morty fans are yeah. fuckboys, bro. Well, not, not even like the Szechuan sauce incident, which was fine. Like, it got so memefied that it was so far off from like the actual thing, it, it didn't matter. But like, just like all the dude bros that wear like Rick and Morty shirts and they only talk about Rick and Morty all the time. It's, it's exhausting. Well, I've watch always got another fucking to, show. Um, I've compared it to like the Sopranos or game of Thrones where at the height of their popularities, you could say, Oh, there were 10 million. Cause I think the Sopranos topped out of 14 million at one point, which is crazy to think about now. Yeah. Uh, but at the, at the height of the popularity, you could sit there and be like, wow, there's 14,000 or 14 million intellectuals who really care about dream analysis and really wonderful character development. The truth is like probably half of that. And the other half really like tits and violence. You know what I mean? Like same right. thing with game of Thrones. It's like game of Thrones was immaculately plotted for a while, but there was also a lot of fucking nudity and a lot of fucking killing. And I think that that, that, you know, uh, like the majority of Rick and Morty fans, it's probably just like, oh, pickle Rick, yeah, it's tiny not, Rick, it's not like physics jokes. It's not yeah. how immaculately plotted all of these episodes are, and trust me, they are. Like the reason I'm rewatching it right now is because I am tr- trying to train myself. You know, like I, hmm. I, I, um, 
And I really realized this about my, me yesterday when I was writing. I had like a really productive writing session. It was probably the first one in a couple, like couple months. I've, I've been going through a writer's block pretty hard uh, because I've been, I've been obsessing with structure. And I think structure is a very important thing. But structure is not important when it comes to getting your, 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 your ideas out. If you're so obsessed right. with structure and format, you're going to hinder yourself. Which is, I know that because when I write a script, I never write it in proper script form. My artist is kind of mad at me about that because he wants me to write in comic book form. But I'm like, look, if I have to adhere to that, I'm not going to write. I need to yeah. write and then I can go back and do it. But You I, need to have the raw clay there first yeah. before you can shape it, right? Absolutely, dude. And so, you know, I've been rewatching that and it's like, yo, it is immaculately fucking plotted. Every single episode you can do a story circle of, you can do the Campbell thing and it's all there, which is yeah. impressive because I think the reason people like Rick and Morty is that it's so random and it is so subversive, right? Mm -hmm. But if I told you that all of your subversion and all your randomness is totally calculated by this very, same structure that we've had since Gilgamesh it's kind of a powerful thing right like I I, I kind of liken it to like when I play piano which is my preferred instrument I know you have a synth now which is basically a piano so I hope you understand this as well every time I'm playing the C chord that chord doesn't belong to me that's yeah. a chord that's been played a million times before in right. different arrangements and so the idea is that there is power in that tradition uh, Rick and Morty, for as crazy as it is, it's like there is power in that tradition that it is following the same kind of monomyth thing for every episode. Um, but to get to the original point, which is like, no, these fuckers don't care about the story circle. These fuckers don't care about how immaculate the mythology is being built up. They care about right. Pickle Rick, man. They care about Fart <laughs> Like, fuck these people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but to get to what was the point? All right, so I saw Harmon in LA. I went, I got to, uh, we went on a tangent, bro. Sorry. I saw Harmon in yeah. LA. I went to his podcast, which is um, Harmon Town, MacArthur Park. It's where were you? Were you close or were you far away? Like, uh, oh, I was in Echo Park. So I was like 15 minutes away. No, I mean, like to the stage. Oh, I was like five rows, five rows out. Oh, dude. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And um, at one point, they asked a history question, and I was like, this is my chance. I know everything about <laughs> history. It was the one thing in history that I forgot the name of, but totally mm. knew what they were talking about. They were talking about like Civil War submarines. And I was like, oh, yeah, that submarine fucking sank immediately. But it was, yeah. the, it was the space monkey, right? The next one. It <laughs> right. fucking worked. You know? <laughs> the and audacity. I could, not, I could not for the life of me remember the name. And he was asking people to come on stage. They could remember it. And I just could Afterwards, as soon as I heard it, I was like, ah, fuck, Hunley. The USS Hunley. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, or the CSS Hunley, actually. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a whole fucking thing. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh the experience itself is really great. I will say this, that I'm a subscriber to the Harmontown podcast, which means I get the live video feed. Um, yeah. I get the episode four days early as well. And you realize it's, it's like going to a sports thing, which I know you're not big on sports, but have you ever been to like a baseball game or anything before? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've been to a Rays game. When you go to a Rays game, as opposed to watching it Rays on TV, you have a homie who's holding your hand the whole time. Yeah, you know, he's like, oh, count is 0-2. And of course, Nunez is uh, doing really well this month. And he gives you all the context that you need. Like the camera right. changes and you're like, oh, this is dynamic. I know who they're talking about. Like you start to really start to appreciate like sports broadcasting because they still are adhering to a narrative. Like right. if they mention someone, we got to cut to that shot. You know what I mean? Uh, watching Harmontown Live was like, no one's cutting for me. <laughs> like, just, just pure chaos. Yeah. It was did, like, did Harmon take off his shirt at any point? No, he didn't get that drunk. But I'll tell you this, no. as, as everyone, and if you don't know who Rob Schraub is, 
uh, you know, you're annoyed at my love for Rob Schraub, I feel, at this mm-hmm. point. Rob Schraub is, like, it's his best friend from Milwaukee. They wrote Monster House together, which is kind of like where Harmon got his Hollywood start, was writing that yeah. film called Monster House for Zemeckis, right? Um, dude is the joker of comedy. Like, he liber- he and also the Harriet Tubman at the same time. Like, he liberated uh, comedy from having to make sense (laughs) which is the big bang of comedy in my opinion like i thought everything had to have a point and needed to reference back to the thing and like what i say this is a tim and eric fan i don't understand this uh but tim and eric i feel like had structure in their ridiculous like like you you, the the premise was always introduced and then within 30 seconds they had to introduce the premise get you to understand the joke and then just beat that joke to fucking death okay uh there was still like a semblance of something there yeah, I, I, the Shrub does not adhere to this. He's not a mere mortal like us. <laughs> Do you remember that one Tim and Eric sketch where Chippy is on a bicycle and gets sucked into a black hole, and then a tap dancing man starts like jingling some bells? <laughs> All right, so maybe they were pre-shrubbing. All right, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but um, but the controller for Harmontown usually is Jeff Davis, who is a suit-cladded. Uh, he's an improviser. He does like whose line is it anyway? He's very popular right. in that, right? But but he usually like he is the he's the gravity. You know, he keeps it all together. He keeps all the topics revolving. He keeps perfect notes. So I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and I'm like, I really hope Schraub's here. <clears throat> Not only is Schraub there, Schraub is controlling. Mm. He's hosting Harmontown, uh, and it's because he hosted the Rick and Morty panel that just happened on Sunday. Uh, yeah. He was like, I need practice, right? So he came out <laughs> and immediately, like, if you listen to the live version, it's episode, I forget the number, but it's called, it's not show business, it's show, it's not show friends, it's show business. Uh, you can hear me for a minute in the very beginning because yeah. Shrub has this bit where he goes like, oh, shit. Like, he just yells it really <laughs> loud. So he comes on stage and he's like, I'm not in a good mood, but you guys are going to make me feel better, right? And like, clapping. And then if you listen, you can hear me say, oh, shit. And then Schraub's like, thanks, mom. And then he continues with his fucking spiel. Um, But in terms of being like what I wanted it to be, it was like, I loved it because one, we do this every week. We talk, we have no agenda. Like people don't understand. I don't, (laughs) I, we, there's no list. There's no like, okay. And then you're going to say this. (laughs) I think that should be abundantly clear about how weird these episodes are. I would hope so. Uh, But it's the same thing where like Harmon may come out with one or two things to talk about, but generally speaking, it's like conversation is going to go where the conversation goes. And it was really amazing that like when you see it, much like the sports analogy when you see it on tv all you see is the polish you see like oh that's a great time to cut to that shot oh that's a really good time to bring this up when you see it happening live you realize like no it's just dudes sitting on a stage people who've known each other for years who are able to have a conversation it's not always funny but it'll eventually get there because you always laugh with your friends eventually you know Mm -hmm. uh and so it was a really it was a really encouraging experience man i gotta tell you and i didn't meet anybody you know like usually these stories end with me meeting somebody but right i feel like i didn't have to like i got the lesson that i needed from that i didn't need to like meet my heroes or whatever and uh it was a really great experience have you yeah, ever seen if, like a podcast if, live uh yes i actually have i saw um dan oh, Aaron McGaffey, right uh, yeah yeah his yeah. ex uh was she married to him yeah they got married or, for nine eleven months eleven months oh yeah his ex-wife Erin mcgathy i saw her relationship podcast in this like tiny shitty building in the shittiest city on earth um uh pensacola florida <laughs> she took it on tour this field yeah time? oh yeah crazy i got to meet her i said hey good good show and she was like thanks <laughs> that's it yep. i am like sort of like this is fucked up <clears throat> and don't tell dolores this 
Uh, but like, I'm sort of in love with her, but not for the right reasons. Like, I, like <laughs> what are the right reasons? What are the wrong reasons? Uh, well, I, I don't know the right reasons. I just let's know explore this because you I, opened this door. <laughs> I just know that it's not the right reasons. All right, I know that the reason I love her are definitely for the wrong reasons. Um, I love her because when I first became aware of Harmon, like I loved Harmontown. Uh, yeah. Or I, or I love Community rather. I'm new to Harmontown. I mean, I felt like I only started listening to Harmontown about two years ago, right before the 300th episode. You know what I mean? So it's like, or right before the 200th episode or something. But the point is that there was, there was six, seven years of backlog. And so when I started listening to it, I didn't listen from the beginning, which is always interesting. We always talk about like when newcomers to our podcast listen, are they listening to the most recent thing or do they feel the need to go back? Are they starting with 99% of Hitler's? Yeah. Right. I certainly hope they're starting <laughs> with the latter to be right. honest, uh, because it's just like production's better and we also kind of have a better vibe now, whatever. But I, I went back and I listened to something that was like episode 43 and so that was my Harmon. He's still with Aaron at this point. Uh, mm. and, and then you, you watch Community. She's in season six of Community, right? Like there's such a, you watch the Harmontown documentary. She's there. Although that's the, that's where I started to fall in love with her was being like, you don't deserve this baby. Like you're better than this. You don't yeah, need I, this. I was going to say like, like what has to happen to you as a woman to have like the patience to deal with someone like Harmon? Like, like what's in it for you at that point? Because like the way she describes him in that relationship because I remember watching parts of that, and I had to like turn it off at some point. It's, it's just rough, like how, sh- how fucking shitty he is to her. Yeah, you know, I likened it to. Uh, it's it's weird because you're not supposed to like. <clears throat> you remember when people were watching Breaking Bad and they were rooting for Walt still at, mm. long after the point where like, and they were saying like fuck Skyler and all that, right? She, for being a, a mom a protecting her kids. She's that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because she's abhorrent. impeding this maniac, this megalomaniacal murderer from being able to continue being a megalomaniacal murderer right how dare she it it really kind of falls on that line where it's just like you know you don't want to see yourself in your heroes you don't want to see yourself in in your anti-heroes specifically it's like you know you can be brilliant and you can be troubled man like Harmon for his faults the dude is a brilliant guy like yeah. he did. he simplified Campbell's monomyth to write stories. That's fucking bold, bro. Like that is a big thing. His body of work speaks for itself. He's also not a particularly great guy. Maybe he's changed. I mean, he seems very happy. His his current fiance is Cody yeah. Heller, who wrote on um, Kidding, and now she has her own show. And I'm like, I'm a fan of hers too. And yeah, like, good, she, good. he's he's been posting uh, workout videos on Instagram. Which, Which are great. life, by the way. <laughs> His amazing. Instagram is actually like one of my favorite things. Um, he, he got he got these stock footage, like this stock footage library, and he's just been yeah. like adding text to it, and making the, the his own mom movies. And dad, yeah. The mom and the son meeting one is the greatest fucking thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, or the detective one where the little kid is a murderer is also. Well, the- I love this one. It's like this, this like really like beautiful woman and this like guy wearing a hoodie and, and the woman's like, Hey, where are you right now? And guys like woods. And she's like, what are you doing? He's like meth. Uh, I mean, again, undoubtedly brilliant, no matter what he does, he wants to write a fake song. He wants to put stock footage together. Uh, he can mm-hmm. do whatever he wants. The problem is like, and this is where I get shitty because it's like, you're asking what needs to happen to a woman. And it's like, I don't know, man, bad shit. Bad yeah. shit. I don't talk about toilet monster very often anymore uh, yeah. for good reason. And but we have got into the psychology before about it where it's like her father wasn't great. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, sorry, sirens. I'm in Brooklyn, guys. Uh, we're gonna take that. We're gonna take two that shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, <you> ready? <laughs> Father wasn't great. We're gonna take two uh, that shit. Fuck it. We'll leave it in. It's better now. It's the imperfectness is what's. I mean, better. whose whose father is great? You know, right. there aren't a lot of great dads. Well, uh, her father got busted for cocaine possession. Was in jail for 18 years. And, okay, so that's know, that's a different level of not great. Extra ban. Yeah. Um, but so you know, so the, go from emotionally withholding dad to cocaine dad. Right. Uh, there's which is there's kind of a cap there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 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 you know, so I look at it. and We've talked about the psychology about how I feel about it now, which is just like. Uh, you know, there were things that he did that I realized that I was filling that role. Mm. And that's what's so weird about it. They say it all the time, like, oh, women marry their fathers. And you think that's weird and uh, like Oedipus Rexy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which should be the title, Oedipus Rexy, which is <laughs> sexy as fuck. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, like, that's true. But the same thing happens for guys. People try to overplay this all the time. Your first woman and your first man that you experience. Or your you parents. See, yes, yeah. they're your God figures, right? So whatever you internalize from that, whatever you intellectualize from that is kind of where you go forth, right? And it's weird because I, I could definitely see the mom features in terms of who my mom was with my father in Toilet Monster. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not so demeaning. <laughs> uh, and, and vice versa. I see a lot of the things that I did that were surrogate you know uh hole fillers right or whatever for what her father did now yeah. granted you did you did spend 18 years in prison for cocaine i do I remember did. that i, I always forget that about you yeah i mean it's weird like i'm 29 now i went in when i was 11 you know <laughs> like it was rough i ran shit after i somehow years, started <laughs> a friendship with you while you were in jail well, I mean, the, the, the fucking pen pal program is actually wonderful and people don't give it yeah. enough credit, but you and it's I- It's like in my those. memory, I remember us hanging out in the same room, but like right. in reality, we were just writing letters. Remember when we talked about that Harry Potter story? Like we imagined that was at Borders, but no, yeah. it was in the visitation room. Yeah. Shit got lit. People don't like Harry Potter spoilers. Yeah, some guy came at me. You added a year to your sentence by choking yeah. him out. I didn't give you a know. fuck. I didn't give a fuck. That's, that's, <laughs> the, that's the cost of protecting my friends, man. Uh, what a harsh maybe, sentence for an 11-year-old, by the way. <laughs> I was Rorschach. I was like, you motherfuckers <laughs> are in here with me. <laughs> uh, uh, but, speaking but, yeah. of which, Watchmen, but we'll get back to that. Oh, I do. Yeah, we'll bring that up here in a sec. I mean, I don't, I don't want to dwell too much on it. But the, the idea is that, like, to, to, to bring it to Toilet Monster and to Aaron McGaffey, it's like, these poor fucking women, man. Uh, sometimes we really need to remind ourselves that these are, you know, you know. Remember Jurassic Park two? Weird fucking preference. I'm sorry. Of course I do. Jurassic Park: Lost World, Spielberg's fucking awful sequel because it is bad. Uh, there's a part where they have that Russian dude. I think his name is Peter Stor Stormare. You know what I'm talking about? And he's of course I do. And he and he's looking at those little dinosaurs, and they're not running. Compies. Is that what they're called? <laughs> okay. Yeah. You actually remember this. And, and, he's, and he's confounded by the fact that they're not running. And the scientist is like, they have no reason to run, homie. They don't have any like generational fucking thing that should make them scared of humans, right? And mm -hmm. then Peter Stormare electrocutes the fuck out of one of those little dudes. And then That's they different. Eat him. Like, yeah. for, for better or for worse, like women have thousands and thousands and thousands of years of being told that they need to be demure and they need to be submissive and they need to shut the fuck up when a man is speaking. Um, and like, we're certainly breaking out of that now a little bit and that's wonderful, but like, there's a lot of women because that's, that's intellectually, they know that that doesn't yeah. account for emotions. That doesn't count for, 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 you know, classically being conditioned 
uh, and it's really horrible. So I think Aaron McGaffey, and in the in the case of Toilet Monster, like I certainly wasn't a great boyfriend at times. Um, it doesn't mean that I didn't love them, but I think my love was toxic. And I think it's the same thing with, with Harmon and McGaffey. Like, what needs to happen? Why do you feel that you deserve this kind of fucking treatment? Right. And I think that that's really... Because, like, uh, on her own, I think she's, you know, she's not a toilet monster. Uh, she, she's pretty great. Um, McGaffey from, or my lady? What? <laughs> McGaffey. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. But toilet monster. Like, wait, like, stop the presses. <laughs> Fuck her. <laughs> Oh, poor no, she's, she's fine. She's fine. She's whatever. Go on. <laughs> McGaffey. No, no. She, she seems like a, a, a nice person. She has a relationship podcast. She's talking about relationships. And I was like, how is somebody this self-aware in this thing for this long? But she talks about know, that afterwards. She did a podcast happens. with somebody. I forget who it was. And they talked about it. And it was just like, I was 27, which you think like you're mm. old enough to know better. Bullshit. Nah. Like, I was 27. I barely was hanging on at 27. Yeah. Um, and so the idea is like, especially when someone's much older, you kind of intellectually think, well, they have to be right because they're older. They've lived longer. You know what I mean? Right. And, and it's just a really sad fucking It ain't like, true though. I, I've met so many like 40, 50, 60 year olds that just behave like children. They just become more emotionally immature. Right. And I, I was talking about this with my friends, um, Morgan and Dima and uh, Samantha. We were just talking about how like people hit a certain age and they just get weird and they lean into it. And that weirdness just becomes their entire being. Right. Um, and not everyone is Danny DeVito. And it's always sunny. <laughs> leading where where it's like adorable, where they're just a <laughs> yeah. tiny trash man. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like people just get fucking weird when they get older. They're not wise. They're not like the wise old man with the long beard or the matriarch just sitting on top of the hill. Just, you know, quoting Stroking Confucius the or whatever. Yeah. Um, they're a bunch of fucking weirdos. Velvet Elvis paintings. And, little, <laughs> and they collect like little porcelain dolls of tiny children that are worth weird amounts of money. I don't know, man. I Sometimes I think about like... <laughs> Well, I mean, sorry, I just, like that delivery was funny, but I was going to go to a serious thought, which is sometimes I feel like you should never punish the son for the father's sins, but sometimes I'm like, nah, we fucked up, like, as a species. Like, we really have done these poor ladies dirty. Like, you've never done anything. You have to understand. Like, I know you. Like, you've never fucked over anyone as far as I know. Uh, no. But the idea is, like, you are still guilty by association, and I think that's fucked up. And it's, like, one of those things we really have to, like, our job now is to be allies. Our job now is to push the norm. Our job now is to empower people. But it doesn't mean that our fathers weren't a part of the problem. It doesn't mean that our fucking bro – my brother's 11 years older than me. you telling me he didn't objectify someone at some point? He didn't make someone feel lesser than? Like, people are still doing it now. I don't think age necessarily is that thing, but I think that we're finally at the point where we know – that something's rotten in Denmark, you know what I mean? To quote Shakespeare. And it's like, we need to do better. We need to demand ourselves be better than what we have let happen, whether we were passive or whether we were actually active. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it guys. <laughs> On that note, no, we did it. <laughs> we did it. We, we solved it. <laughs> the problem. No, I mean, it, you know, whatever. Anyway, Toilet Monster, if you're listening, we need, which we did add are. some like some some of that slow piano apology music to that. By the way, <laughs> that was my favorite bit of that episode. By the way, because <laughs> I forgot I was very drunk when I edited that episode. So when it came back, I was like, "Holy shit, I did it!" Like, uh, but yeah, man. I mean, uh, Toilet Monster, if you're listening, uh, I'm very sorry and I love you. Be weird if she was. I don't think it's as weird as you think. Because, really? uh, yeah, because that's the weird other thing about Toilet Monster, which is like she's totally stalking my shit still. Like, it's mm. a weird situation where, like, 
we don't talk at all. We have nothing to say to each other. <laughs> we don't want to talk, but we're very actively involved in each other's life. Not me so much, but that's more because, uh, like yeah, I can't. That, like I have anxiety. Uh, if I if I start down that road, it's only going to end bad. You know what I mean? Like, and I well, no that. offense to Toilet Monster here, but if if I was you know stalking somebody as one does, <laughs> and I heard them call me a Toilet Monster, not once, not twice, but thrice. Uh, fucking thrice, bro. Since like episode multiple 11. times. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I would probably be like, you know what? Uh, I should probably dip out. But you know what? That in and of itself, me calling your Toilet Monster is me not wanting to confront myself for the behavior that i've done that the behavior like that i had caused someone else to do now of course you're always able to control yourself you're always able to uh rise above the actions of shitty people right michelle obama when they go low we go high but at the same time it's like we're all reactionary people we all we all react to this pull like push pull levy situation and you know there's a right combination of words to make me irate (laughs) you know what i mean like there is uh the idea is is that that doesn't make you a lesser person. It doesn't make you a worser person. It just makes you a fucking person, Max. And one day I hope to be mature enough to like forgive this person, this fucking toilet monster. And I hope they're mature enough to forgive me and we can be friends or something. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, what does honestly, solve, you know? yeah, you don't have to be, you know, you, you exactly. can just, you can just exactly. write that off as a chapter that you've closed in your life. That might be for the best. Yeah, but, um, but, but I, which is, I agree. But at the same time, it's like uh, that relationship, not relationship solely, but that relationship mixed with the friendship, mixed with growing as a person, as a writer, as a uh, person who wants to study, you know what I mean, is the most profound relationship I've ever had outside of you. Uh, and that's not a slight at Dolores. I adore Dolores. I'm engaged. To, we're getting married in two months, like three months. It's not, it's not a slight on her at all. It's just that there are people who come into your life that, on a friendship level, change things. Like my relationship with you, my friendship with you, and I'm not trying to be sentimental or whatever, so please forgive me, but it's like, it's the most profound thing I've ever had. I have a working relationship. I have someone who lifts me up when I want to be creative, someone who is always there for me, uh, someone Mm -hmm. who is there for me even when I'm not my best version of myself, which is the difference between Toilet Monster and you, is that eventually she wised up and she got the fuck away from a bad situation. I wasn't there for you when those earthquakes happened, Bubby, and I am sorry for that. That's true. Fucking piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i don't know anyway that's I've, been I've, off I've depressing gotta... shit guy i'm sorry like i didn't want to take it here my point is i love you max i love you very much i, yeah, love, I love you too man toilet monster a lot too despite the problems and i think that we need to be able to separate errors in our life and realize and, and appreciate them for the good i think i haven't quite got there yet you know like i want to appreciate good things uh but it's it's still mixed in with painful shit and eventually i'll be able to isolate those two things and we'll get there you know what i mean but you know just stuff it down with some brown my friend you know you just keep moving forward okay remember when i said that i loved you for noah fenway i love you <laughs> way more for right now because <laughs> you're speaking about whiskey guy and i can really right. appreciate that who uh, doesn't love whiskey <laughs> alcoholics non-alcoholics probably i don't know agents nuns buddhist monks (laughs) i mean there is a list but they're not widespread go fuck yourselves i Uh, mean if there's any takeaway from mad men it's that the healthy way to deal with your problems is to drink something brown and uh, not think about it i mean he did lose his job and his family but yeah yeah yeah, you're right (laughs) yeah but he, he got it all back at the end he got what he wanted he didn't have to like actually live with his children right he got, got to, to go off. Cool he got to yeah. fuck off at a hippie commune for months and then write the Coca-Cola jingle. Yeah, why don't we ever take him to task for that? I mean, he was never like a great father, but he really he fucking never lost it anything. Like, yeah. Think about all the shit he should be in jail for. Right. Or just oh, ostracized God. for. 
Right. Still got Peggy calling him. After We're talking about white privilege. Fucking Draper, even in the 60s, man. I mean, specifically in the 60s, not even in the 60s. Like, yeah, really he, got away he with stole shit. an identity and the FBI and CIA knew about it and still got away with it. Yeah. He was doing fine, man. Good for him. I'm actually kind of proud of him. <laughs> That's a template for how to live your life. <laughs> Which, again, like, unlike the Walter White of it all, I think at some point Matthew Weiner was trying to condemn that behavior, but then he gave him a happy ending. So you're like, I'm confused. Like, I don't really know what's going on. Well, here. you know, like, we were, we were less mad about it because, you know, Walter White was a dick, and Don Draper, at least he was depressed, you know? He was, like, clinically depressed all the time. So it's like... When he got a win, it was like, okay, buddy, I just want you to be happy. Well, see, I think, uh, I know I ended the toilet monster thing, but like, I wouldn't have to go back there necessarily. <laughs> oh, no. We don't have to go I there just, necessarily. I just steered the plane right back down, <laughs> didn't I? <laughs> we're on an upswing, joking about Mad Men and alcoholism, and now we're back to this. We're going down. Smoke him if you got him. No, uh, was, uh, all right, let me articulate this the right way. You know what? Fuck it. Let's avoid this all together. <laughs> Alcoholism is funny. Depression um, means that you're not entitled to be held well, accountable. The, the point that I was going to make, which is like, listen, I, I have fucking depression. I don't use it as a crutch. I often try to use it as, an, uh, as a fuel for something. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you make really fucking poor decisions because you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Because in the moment, you want to feel a temporary reprieve from how shitty you feel all the time. Right. Uh, and I think that that's kind of like if there's one redeeming thing about the Don Draper thing opposed to the Walter White thing, it's that Don Draper, you're right, was clinically fucking depressed and he made bad decision after bad decision, but it wasn't, it was self sabotage. It, it was to feel anything other than what he's feeling all the time, right. you know? And I think that that is slightly different. That's a tragic character. That's why yeah. we kind of root for him at the end, even though he gets everything he wants. <laughs> Walter White, I'm like, good fucking riddance. They killed this piece of shit. Like they should have yeah, killed right? him forever ago, you know? <laughs> I don't know. What would the show have been if Walter White dies season two? Just Jesse fucking around? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely Jesse without any character growth. <laughs> Just smoking weed. He reverts back to his old self, Captain Cook. But he never gets caught, man. It, becomes, it definitely becomes way more whimsical. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Jesse without Walter White is a very whimsical show. Right, because that show is so immaculately plotted by the foils that they kind of have, right? Like, Hank is right. a foil to Walter. We know that from the beginning of the show. Like, mm -hmm. But also, like, on an intellectual and on a redemption uh, arc, right, it's certainly uh, Jesse is the foil to Walter in that same kind of regard. Right. Uh, the show doesn't work without either of them. As much as we give Cranston all the praise, and he's rightfully praise he's wonderful uh, the show doesn't work without Jesse man yeah you know those two um, released a uh, tequila recently well I heard that they fucking pumped everybody I heard that yeah, they were like they, they posted what? a picture of the two of them and they're like coming soon and everybody's like oh my god freaking bad finally the sequel because we know it's going to be like uh, like a six feet under situation like Richard Jenkins where like Walter <laughs> White is just a ghost in the desert right. like fucking with Jesse but is no, the whole movie just going to be like a dark night of the soul Jesse just driving that car with like Walter White's ghosts right in the, what in was the that passenger seat fuck what was that Tom Hardy movie that just came out the whole movie is in a car uh, Venom oh <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Locke that. from like 2014. Right, that's what it was. All right, that so movie not from just five years came ago. out. Not just yeah. came out. Yeah, that movie where it's like Tom it Hardy hanging Tom out with Hardy Tom talking Hardy talking on a phone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, man. That's what it would be. Uh, God willing. That would be bold. <laughs> Tom Hardy also do a movie where he played gangster twins. 
Did he? What movie was yeah. that? I, I know it wasn't called <laughs> Gangster Twins, but <laughs> Gangster Twins. <laughs> An untitled Tom Hardy project. Wait, it's called Gangster Twins. It's not untitled. Doesn't matter. An untitled project from Tom Hardy. <laughs> no, he did some stuff. Uh, something. It was called something. I called it was something. a legend. Reggie and Ron Cray. Oh, 2015. I don't remember that. I remember fucking Ridley Scott's legend, if we're bringing that fucker back into the conversation. Remember they made like Tom Cruise is in it. Tim Curry plays the devil. Remember that movie? I never saw it. Damn, homie, you missed out. Anyway, you brought up Watchmen earlier. You had anything you want to talk about that? I was I was curious. I saw that trailer. You watched that trailer? Yeah, trailer gave me a little bit more hope. Um, you yeah, know that right? I have like some strong uh, feelings about Watchmen in general, just because uh, the last film adaptation. I'm not saying that Damon Lindelof would have ever done that, right. but just that last film adaptation, like really, just it, it's it's such a weird case where um, it it very faithfully adapts the comic frame by frame and, and somehow it tells you why we need to misses the point. Things. Yeah. yeah. We, this is why we need to change things in adaptations. Well, because not so much change things. It's just that it like, it completely misses the point. It's how he frames things. It's how he does slow motion. It's how he makes like Rorschach look like a hero or a badass. And Rorschach well, is neither of those things. Bad behavior. Yeah. yeah. Like Rorschach is a fucking fascist psychopath. Um, or, or a anarchic psychopath like whatever you want to say but he's not a good guy he's well, not that's cool. what was so fucking uh, impressive to me about the trailer which i don't yeah, think a lot of people, like look i love definitely Robert. leaning into like the whole like these are domestic terrorists kind yes. of angle is uh, what i'm getting from the trailer but also in terms of art being reflective of the times you're living in are we mm. not going to say what this is are we not going to say what these rorschach fuckers are you know what i mean right. like it's fetishizing the worst type of behavior it's fetishizing the worst kind of ideology these are like militant Frank Miller motherfuckers. Right, yeah. right, man, absolutely. And so I saw that trailer and I was like, I think Lindelof has fucking got this, dude. And also I think he's smartly not adapting the comic. Like, yeah. Because no one needs to adapt that comic. The comic is perfect. But he wisely realizes that the world that was built, it has legs, man. You can do a mm -hmm. lot of stories in that, specifically if you're in a time jump, you know? Like, yeah. I, I'm really no, excited yeah, about I'm, it. I, I, am, I, am, I am excited about it, but still cautiously so. Right. Just because that's a high wire act that he's got to pull off to make that work. Um, I, even though you weren't wholly satisfied with The Leftovers, didn't you at least feel that like from the guy who wrote Lost to the guy who wrote The Leftovers, that like there was some tremendous fucking growth about like his confidence and taking narrative leaps. Like I've always said that season two of the leftovers is the closest thing to wire season two. And as much that like, who the fuck are all these new people? Why do I give a fuck about any of them? You know what I mean? Right. Like, but the ability to be so confident in your story that you're like, no, you sit the fuck down. You watch this, you'll be rewarded. And people I liked who it more it than season one. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. No, just yeah. The, to, to basically throw out everything from the first season, except for right. like a few characters and yeah. uh, go somewhere, somewhere new. In this universe, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like I'm, I'm so much more uh, confident in his ability to do this. If it was mm. him right after Lost, I'd be like, nah, dude, bad idea. Because right after Lost <laughs> is like a year after the Watchmen movie. Like, right. not a good time. I really don't think it is. Yeah. But 
Um, it was cool to see Dr. Manhattan show up. You know, I, I was like mad at myself for having that reaction, but just being like, oh shit. At the end where he picked yeah. up the Dr. Yeah. Manhattan mask. Yeah, no. I mean, that's the thing. Because I, mean, I, I wasn't sure can't... if they were going to go there. I wasn't sure if he was going to like totally leave Dr. Manhattan as his own thing because he's such a force on his own. Right. Well, you bring up you know? the natural point, which is like he's OP. Like there's yeah. like, Dr. Manhattan is on the board. He is the nuclear option at some point. Exactly. Uh, which it's still a pitfall like he's gonna have to figure out how to navigate that but at the same time it is certainly interesting and i feel like if anyone really like despite that not looking like the watchman storyline that i knew that was absolutely the fucking watchman subtext that i knew man Mm -hmm. um and so with that i'm very very excited i think it's gonna be pretty awesome you know i hope it is but you're right man it's like this is the high wire act of recent adaptation of recent television you know what i mean uh because watchman uh is never it's weird that at any point during the the because when did that get greenlit like right after spider-man 3 like 2007 or something like that something like that why did anyone think that that movie was on the same level as spider-man or the avengers or whatever we ended up knowing the superhero craze to be because nobody talks about that movie anymore that trailer was lit though the trailer was one of the best trailers I've ever seen, uh, yeah. which is why I got so But that's so the thing mad. about Zack Snyder is like, he's amazing at crafting trailer moments. Right. Yeah. But you can't make an entire movie be a trailer moment. It's exhausting. You get Man of Steel or Batman well, v Superman. Yeah, or Zack Snyder's like, hold my beer. Any <laughs> Zack Snyder film. Yeah. Oh man, that poor fucking guy. You know, like it's hard to beat up feel, on him because his, well, his daughter bad for killed, him. Him, killed herself, man. Like that's rough. Was that a like, suicide yeah. situation? It was a suicide, yeah, man. So that's rough, you know. Like I want to feel bad for him, but what is he doing? His next film, zombie movie. So maybe this. Oh, is... what I thought he was doing, Atlas Shrugged. No, that's next because that's oh, what the world great. needs. We need fucking Ayn Rand and Zack Snyder <laughs> to combine their fucking... Family. I know I've said it before, but just oh. the idea that Zack Snyder thinks that he's the guy for the job tells you something, right? <laughs> well, he that thinks thing that about he's Watchmen. a John Galt, Howard Rourke motherfucker. Well, that was the thing about fucking Watchmen was I remember a quote where David Hayter, I forget who it was, or Aronofsky or someone, someone else was attached to that at some point, and they talked about how they would have done it. And Zack Snyder was like, this is why I took the job. To save the world from the Aronofskys of the world. Wait, what? Yeah, which is like... He was talking shit about Aronofsky. It's like, I'm not the biggest Aronofsky fan, but holy shit. But at least that guy's a fucking artist, right? Yeah. Like, at least he has a fucking vision for shit. Uh, <laughs> like, Jesus fucking Christ. And then when I heard the Atlas Shrug news, I'm like, yeah, these assholes deserve each other. They, they really do. Yeah. They're fucking... Like, and I don't hate Zack Snyder the way I hate Ayn Rand, because she is a fucking hack people I, well i would uh, say that she's inspired um worse things in politics mm-hmm. than Zack snyder has right like <laughs> are we mad the, about the ripple snyder effect film? of ayn rand is is definitely a lot is, bigger is rand in, paul in and paul ryan <laughs> yeah <laughs> paul's you know what i mean <laughs> good god rand paul well rand paul i didn't know this but it makes sense he's literally named after ayn yeah rand, which i know is it's disappointing disgusting right Remember in 2008 where there were like there was a big movement about Ron Paul? That yeah, hasn't aged well. Loved Ron Paul so much. That hasn't aged well. But then he was in Bruno, and everybody saw him for what he really was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people they talk shit about Bruno, but the lasting legacy of that film was exposing is that Ron Paul Ron was Paul. An uncomfortable with a sexually promiscuous gay man interviewing him. Right. God damn it, man. Well. Politics are weird. That was 11 years ago. And if you said you publicly supported Ron Paul now, uh, you'd be crucified, you know? like well, Not by the Rand Paul lovers of the world. 
I remember when I liked Rand Paul for half a second. I was like, oh, he's going to be one of these sensible Republicans. Nope. Yeah, and Fuck then he kills up. the 9-11 first responders bill, or tries to. Yeah, well, he tries. He wasn't very effective. Failed, though. God bless the system, right? Because it's perfect. And, uh, it yeah, prevents... he gave us Trump. Ah, oh, shit. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> us to a death. Oh, that, God that damn was, it. We, that we was just... nose dying <laughs> <in the laughs> <plane. laughs> As soon as I said it and I saw you just put your head in your hands. I was like, oh, what have I done? We got 50 years, guys. We're not going to make it. We keep pulling up, and I just keep bringing us down. <laughs> Yo, bro, did you, hear about, uh, did you hear about Edward Furlong is going to be back in Terminator? Did you hear this shit? Wait, he's still alive? <laughs> That's literally what I thought. I was like, <laughs> what? They fucking invested in, in, in Lazarus they, 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 technology? <laughs> <laughs> they revived the fucking mummy corpse of Edward Furlong. <laughs> they found him in some fucking goddamn shit house right well you know what i liked about it though because i immediately was like what does edward furlong even look like now the answer is like shit uh the answer is 50 pounds heavier and stringed oh, out. oh man but, but okay you're looking at him right now right do me a favor people who looks are listening like that to this kid podcast, from stranger things kind of people who are listening to this podcast do me a favor look up edward furlong for a second look at that picture Look at what I'm talking about. Now imagine you're Messiah. Imagine you're John Connor. Like maybe the whole movie is like a Force Awakens MacGuffin of like, we got to go get Luke Skywalker. We, we got to go get John Connor. And when you see him, he is just doing blow like with the Skynet robots and he is fucked like, up. Like this is the savior of humanity. <laughs> That's like my the point? picture. His oh. Wikipedia picture, like the picture that Wikipedia picked for him is like fat bloated with a neck beard and like a shirt with holes in it that he has held together with like four clothespins. That's my point. And it's point. got stains and spots on it. Imagine the hero's journey of whoever the protagonist is in this new fucking this Terminator movie. This looks like a, a mugshot of like a tweaker. And it says Furlong at the 2009 London Film Con. <laughs> Sorry. That's a press photo, guys. <laughs> like, I need you to imagine what a mugshot would look like because that's a press photo. <laughs> oh, God. I just saw him more updated because that was 2009. He looks even worse now. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's, he's doing wonderful things. With he's wearing an inside out Coca Cola shirt and he just looks confused and fat and sad. <laughs> Don't body shame him. You can drug shame him or all you want. But... I think that the, the body is a direct consequence of the drugs. So I feel like it ties together. They say that. I mean, I look at Mick Jagger. That guy does, you have to imagine, does Coke every day and then runs like eight miles. You know? I think it like... depends on the drugs that you're doing. If you're doing like. I don't know. Heroin can make you fat, right? I mean, supposedly. But what is that heroin chic look that everyone's talking about? You know, that's like, true. That's like the new weight loss craze. Do heroin. It <laughs> 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 was the master cleanse. Beyonce endorsed it, but now Beyonce's back with the heroin diet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Beyonce! If Beyonce started doing heroin, what would the ripple effect of that? Would she just make heroin normal? Would everybody be like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, Congress would legalize that shit within six months. Listen, the queen has spoken. Heroin is fine. Schedule uh, three. Meanwhile, you do weed. You're still put in fucking federal prison. You know what I mean? Does, it, does, it, does it weird you out like how like uh, influential she is up to like a point? Like she can do no wrong. <sighs> Uh, sorry, I wanted to think about that for a second. Yeah, I mean, she every album she's done recently is critically acclaimed. I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing if she's a like, conscientious. It scares me when you think about it being used for wrong, right? 
Yeah. Like if there was a character, if Beyonce was secretly a fucking like 9-11 truther <laughs> who mm. also hated brown people, then that's fucked up, right? But you have yeah. to imagine like, well, she's using her powers for good. So why well, do you am remember, I remember like 10 years ago, there were like really unflattering pictures of her in concerts and like she had them taken off of the internet. Do you remember this? No, not at all. But she has the power to scrub the internet? That's fucking impressive. I mean, there's still... I'm going to find these. Beyonce photo... I remember this one time that uh, Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses, there were a bunch of Welcome to the Jungle memes, but they, he was fat. So they called him Welcome to the Chunkle, and they're wonderful memes, and he literally got shitty about it. Welcome like, to the Chunkle? You got to look it up, bro, really quick. Welcome to the Chunkle. <laughs> And it's just Axel Rose being up like 70 pounds heavier from his 1989 heyday. Uh, and he got mad about it. It was like, take these off Google. Didn't work. The internet's wonderful, man. I just sent you uh, one of the Beyonce photos, by the way, on Facebook. All right, let's see. Um, oh, there, well. were just a, there were just a series of these. And I remember she like paid to have them taken off of publications and like taken down from as many like sites as possible. <laughs> Well, the face is like, and we might should post this in, in the episode notes, but like, like, it's fine, man. Everyone makes a bad face. Like, I do that live show on Double Toasted now, and then, like, if the, if the frames drop out or anything, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll straight up be like, Bleh. yeah, and it'll freeze like that. And I'm like, that's unflattering. Yeah, what no, no, nobody is flattering at all times. Right. I mean, maybe right. some people are. I don't want to meet those people because that really was uh, that was a trope in like how I met your mother, right? Like Barney can only take good pictures no matter what he was doing. When you actually looked at the picture, he was like, "Yeah, I used to what really a bad like show. that fucking show." Yeah. What a bad fucking show! That, you know, we talked about this before about like the ending shouldn't ruin the journey. That does. That's the exception to the rule, man. Yeah. I cannot go back and rewatch that show out of principle because I know. I know where it ends, man. Because it was like uh, five, six seasons of really good three-camera sitcom, and then the rest of it was just uh, uh, not not so great. <laughs> <laughs> I was being really diplomatic about that. Like, look, I'm a president one day. I gotta I gotta appease these people. <laughs> I don't know, man. Where where do we go from here? What have we learned, Christian? What have we learned? I don't know. I, uh, you you uh, always ask me this. I'm gonna turn it on you. I think we've learned that depression nosedives are frequent. <laughs> Sorry. Are frequent. Which in and of itself is depressing, but continue. Right. It's a it's a vicious cycle of fucking depression, man. There's nothing we can do about it. Uh, I, yeah, you know, that's all I got. I don't know. Did we learn anything? I feel like this is absurdism. This is Camus, man. This is like nothing matters. This like, Camus. yeah, shut the fuck up and pull it, push your boulder upstairs. But remember to smile. Like, I if, there, to if there's if there's one like analog to our podcast that that would describe it, it's it's Camus, man. It's Camus, yeah. It's, Read it's the works of Camus, and you'll get it. Right, you know, like Camus. I'm a hot right dog. I'm a genie. Camus. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs>